Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What's the most important thing to you as you ponder where you want to play next year? What a great question. What a great question. Um, I think it ultimately is about winning football games, and so that will be the most important thing, winning football games. Uh, With that, no one thing is in a vacuum. Usually you win football games because there are some other factors that are really important to me that are going to have to be there to be able to win football games. So it ultimately all ties together. The factors work together. But um, uh, I certainly believe we can do that here. Uh, I think that God has blessed me financially beyond my wildest dreams. So at this stage in my career, uh, the dollars are really not what it's about. I had a coach who uh, I was with who was a younger coach at the time. This was back eight, nine years ago. And uh, I was before my first franchise tag. And we were talking about the situation, and he made a great comment. And uh, he said, Kirk, it's, it's not about the dollars, but it is about what the dollars represent. And I thought that was an interesting comment that he made. So there will always be some of that. But uh, to Dave's point, structure is probably more important. Kirk Cousins talking to reporters yesterday as the Vikings season officially ends. You know, I learned a long time ago that when you're interviewing someone and they say that's a great question, they're just buying time as they think of what they're going to say next. That was the first time I ever heard that's a great question repeated. Now, he was either buying even more time or he wanted to make it look like he wasn't buying time and he was effusively praising the questioner. So it wasn't the perfunctory, I don't know what I'm going to say, so I'll just say that's a great question. That was a great move by Kirk Cousins. And I'd love to find out, were you really trying to buy more time there or did you really want to praise the questioner? But we hear that all the time. If you listen to enough press conferences, you're at enough of them, you know. And I've done it. That's a great question means I really know what I'm going to say. Give me another two or three seconds. Yeah, and he bought some time there, Mike, with the, the two. That's a great question. I do think he was trying to decide how he was going to answer that question, and it was a word salad. That's how he ended up answering it, with a big word salad, as you like to say. Well, 
when he was asked about dollars and the quote from the unnamed coach from eight or nine years ago who said it's not the dollars is what the dollars represent. This was how I processed the fact that Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Phillip Rivers each made exactly $25 million in 2020. You got to give Phillip Rivers $25 million because, you know, the bookie can't drive a Yugo. The bookie's got to be driving a Cadillac. The quarterback's got to be the highest paid guy on the team or damn close to it. You need the folks in the locker room to follow the quarterback. And if the quarterback is making peanuts, it becomes harder for the quarterback to have the authority necessary to command the attention and respect and buy-in of the locker room. That's what I believe he's saying. You're representing to the locker room, this is your leader. This is your guy. We believe in him as evidenced by the fact that we're paying him X million per year. It's what the dollars represent. We are vesting you with the authority to go take charge of the team. That, that's, that's a pretty impressive way to justify good old-fashioned seven deadly sin greed. But he's not wrong. On top of it, he's not wrong. You can't go in as minimum salary guy, which, you know, Russell Wilson apparently plans to do next year and stick the Broncos for the rest of it. We'll see if he goes in as minimum salary guy with his next team. But you go in as minimum salary guy, it's a lot harder to get the respect and admiration and awe of your teammates. Yeah, and I think another thing he could possibly mean by that, Mike, is you want to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. You don't want to be making half of what some other guy's making who you think you're better than. And quarterbacks, as we know, are highly paid. So he's going to be highly paid. I mean, you know, he talks about structure and all those things. The yearly average is still going to put him up there because he's still one of the top 15, 20 quarterbacks in the NFL, whatever it is. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think I'd put him in the top 10, but we can get in that debate. But he is up there as a quarterback that you think you can win with. So he's going to get paid. The question is how much, and I guess to his point, what the structure of that deal is going to be. Well, he said years ago, when he was dealing with a couple of franchise tags in Washington before he walked away as a free agent, he felt an obligation to get as much money as he could to help other quarterbacks. You know, that was something Tom Brady didn't yeah. necessarily do all that often. So is that part of what Kirk Cousins is trying to do? He said later he's not going to try to sell himself. The league needs quarterbacks. He doesn't need to talk someone into wanting him. They're going to want him or they're not. But here's the reality. The longer this takes, I believe the less likely it is he's back with the Vikings because, you know, you get to the scouting combine and his agent, Mike McCartney, is in Indianapolis. He's going to know which teams are very interested in pursuing Kirk Cousins. It's going to be the Vikings and one, two, three, four other teams. I don't know. You know, in 2018, it was the Vikings and the Jets at the end of the day that seriously pursued Kirk Cousins. I don't know because we still have teams left in in the postseason contention and teams that lose may decide they need a different quarterback. We don't know yet, but the Vikings can short circuit that whole process by getting him signed. He's 35. He's coming off a torn Achilles tendon. He had the best game of his career six nights before the torn Achilles tendon happened. And what's your plan B if you're the Vikings? It's not Nick Mullins. It's not Josh Dobbs. 
and it's not Jaron Hall. And I hate to pass premature judgment on Jaron Hall. My son and I were talking about this last night, though. When you finally get a chance to play at the NFL level, you got to show me something that makes me think you belong here. It's on you at that point. Here's your opportunity. Go out, break a leg, not literally. Go out and show us what you can do. And Jaron Hall had that opportunity twice. First time he got a concussion. Second time against the the Packers on Sunday Night Football. Critical game. There, I, there's just nothing there that makes you say, yeah. you know, the, the, the gif of, of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV while he's holding a can of beer and once upon a time in Hollywood. There's nothing that makes you do that to the TV from what we saw from Jaron Hall. And your opportunity may be that limited. So there's no other great option for the Vikings right now. And Kirk Cousins... As Chris Sims says, not me, Chris Sims says this, if Cousins didn't get injured, the Vikings are right in the thick of things in the hunt for a Super Bowl championship this year if Cousins doesn't get injured. So tough decision for the Vikings and, you know, tough decision collectively for the NFL. What is a pocket passer, mid-30s, coming off a torn Achilles tendon, what is he worth in this day and age in light of the broader market? I don't know. Yeah, and that they're going to have to figure that out, Mike, because – Again, if you're going to replace a quarterback, you better find a better option. They don't have a high enough pick to get a better option. Who out there on the free agent market is a better option than Kirk Cousins? If he hits the free agent market, he's probably the top free agent. So you're right. If he was on the Vikings for the whole entire year, I think they're a team not only that could just be in the plus, they might have won that division, Mike. They may, be, they may have been hosting a game this weekend as the winner of the NFC North because he made them much, much better than the team they were. And they have no other options behind him. So they've got to figure out what he's worth, but I think he's worth more to them than he's worth to anybody else, Mike. Well, there is one team nearby geographically, a team that did win the division this year, a team that may decide after Sunday night when the Rams and the Lions play that their current quarterback has taken them as far as they can go. And where's Kirk Cousins from? Oh, he's from Michigan. Wouldn't that be a hell of a story if the Lions decide they're going to upgrade from Jared Goff to Kirk Cousins? They're going to bring Kirk Cousins home. They're going to let Kirk Cousins get the Super Bowl championship to fit in that trophy room in his house in Michigan. So... I, I think that some of these playoff games may loom over what happens with Kirk Cousins. And I don't know how Lions fans feel about a golf for Cousins upgrade. I know how they should feel because it would be an upgrade and it would put you in better position to potentially win a Super Bowl if you had Kirk Cousins there with those weapons they have offensively in that defense. You know, Kirk Cousins isn't the guy who's going to make the big throw in the big spot, although maybe he will. Maybe he will at this age. I don't know. But, you know, with the 49ers, he would have had a Super Bowl by now. And maybe the way for him to finally put the bow on his career and end the decades of misery for Lions fans is to go home to Michigan and finish his career with the Lions, which would not be good for the Vikings, especially if they don't have an answer at quarterback. The Vikings become the new Lions, if that's the case. All right, let's take a break. We, as promised, we weren't able to get it in this segment. We'll get it in the next segment. Aaron Rodgers, some stuff he had to say about what the Jets need to do in 2024. That's next here on PFT Live. And I'm sure they'll bring that energy right to Texas. I'm just yeah, you, Pack is back. <laughs> you heard it from a fan right here. Pack is back. Hey, Jair Alexander, say whatever you want as long as we want to play defense isn't part of your vocabulary ever again. 
never go out to midfield for a coin toss ever again and never utter the words, we want to play defense. He's back in the good graces, though. Everybody's happy in Green Bay. The Packers are in the playoffs. Jordan Love did in his first year as a starter, Shereen, what Aaron Rodgers failed to do in his last year as the starter. Win or go home. Week 18, at home. Love delivers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't. I wonder if that'll come up today on Pat McAfee's show. I have a feeling it might not. I have a feeling we won't get a deep dive into how Aaron Rodgers feels. How does that make you feel, Aaron, that Jordan Love did what you failed to do in your last game with the Green Bay Packers? Anyway, um, I, let's just, just big picture. Since the Packers are coming to play your Cowboys, should, should the Cowboys be nervous about this Packers team that, you know, has been one of the best teams in the NFL yeah. the second half of the season? Yeah, I think they should be, and I think they better be ready to play uh, against this team. Jordan Love has looked pretty good. So, yeah, I think they better be ready, Mike, for this team. Now, I think Cowboys are. I think they go out, and I think they win handily. But if they're not ready to play and turn the ball over and do some things that they haven't done at home this season, then they have a chance to lose this game. I would love for it to be a shootout for Jordan Love to match Dak Prescott touchdown for touchdown, and and let's – show this down and have a shootout uh, at AT&T Stadium. That would be really fun, and I think it could happen. See, you're so much more tactful than I am. If all I had said a couple of weeks ago was the 49ers are going to win handily over the Ravens, I I would have had a much more happy (laughs) Christmas week than I did. Shereen's the pro. I'm just the hack who says a bunch of dumb things. Okay. Speaking of someone who says dumb things, Aaron Rodgers met with reporters yesterday as the Jets wrapped up a very disappointing 2023. Uh, here is Rodgers on the biggest lesson that the Jets can learn from a lost 2023 season. Anything that doesn't have anything to do with winning needs to be assessed. So anything in the, in the, this building that we're doing individually or collectively that has nothing to do with real winning needs to be assessed. Everything that we do has to have a purpose, too. When you step in the building, there's intentionality with everything that you do. And it's not a half-the-time thing. It's not a sometimes thing. It's not a most-of-the-time thing. It's an every-time thing. If you want to be a winning organization, meant to put yourself in a position to win championships and be competitive, everything that you do matters. And the bullshit that has nothing to do with winning needs to get out of the building. But I think there's some uh, some things that in every organization, and we did this for 18 years in Green Bay, the exit meetings are important to just get everything on the table that's happened, flush the bullshit that you need to move forward away from, and then refine your focus moving forward. You know, as I was listening to that yesterday, Shireen, I had kind of a deja vu because I think there was an end-of-season press conference with the Packers at one point where he said very similar things about what needs to happen going forward. And the irony was not lost on social media when you saw the companion tweets from Rich Samini where in one breath Aaron Rodgers says we have to – Focus only on things that lead to winning individually and collectively. All we should ever be doing is calculated toward winning. And then in the next breath, tune in tomorrow to ESPN when I'm on the Pat McAfee show to talk about my fight with Jimmy Kimmel. So, you know, at some point, 
there is a hypocrisy there when Aaron Rodgers decides he's going to create distractions for the team because he does. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the right to go do whatever media he wants to do. Plenty of active players are generating media more than ever before. Michael Parsons with a podcast, other players, Travis Kelsey and his podcast. But if you create a distraction for your team or if you use that platform to wag a finger about your team, and he's done that before, you know, these guys need to quit pointing fingers. These guys need to do this. There's a balance to be struck. And when you're creating a distraction for your team, an issue that guys in the locker room are going to be talking about and they're going to get asked about, and it just drags down and distracts you from winning, winning. It's, it's just funny. And it wasn't one after the other in the press conference, the issue of the, the Kimmel comments, and he declined to talk about it, tune in to see you, check me out tomorrow, I'll talk about it tomorrow on Pat McAfee's show. It did come up about 10, 15 minutes later or thereabouts, but still, there is an inherent conflict between the two. That nuance might be lost on Aaron Rodgers. It was not lost on those who heard his comments. Sounded like Aaron Rodgers was completely fed up with the BS he's been spewing. That's what it sounded like to me, Mike. And and, it, and he has. And and it was a distraction for, for the Packers. Ever since he got there, when you go back, just the, the Rodgers mania that happened and the hard knocks and this, that, and the other. And he was taking control of the team. He, I mean, he had personnel decisions that he made, all those things. And you know, Sauce Gardner talked yesterday about the distractions that this team had. Well, a lot of those distractions were made by Aaron Rodgers. Whether he's on the field or not, he made many of those distractions that the Jets faced this season. So he's got to figure it out and flush it himself so the rest of the team, they can move on to next season. And if he can stay healthy, they can have a better season than what they had this season, they had the team in place. They certainly didn't have the quarterback after Aaron Rodgers went out on the fourth play. But there's also, Mike, no guarantee at his age coming off the injury that he's coming off with the way that he returned that he's going to make it through a full season next season. So the Jets, to me, are one of the most interesting teams to watch this offseason with what they're going to do at the backup quarterback position. Are they going to bring more of Aaron Rodgers' cronies in there what are they going to do? How is this thing going to play out? I just think it's going to be fascinating to watch the Jets. Yeah, Jets signing Kurt Benkert is not a way to improve the overall depth chart, all due respect to Kurt Benkert. Now, he also talked about his involvement in personnel, and I fully expect that the Jets this year will give him a seat at the table but ignore everything and anything he says about who he wants there. But he was talking yesterday about offensive linemen. And he wants offensive linemen with character. He mentioned he wants players with character generally, but specifically offensive linemen with character. You know, funny, rowdy, gregarious guys. Hey, I would rather have somebody who can go out there and maul his opponent, who is no fun at all to hang out with, who I just as soon not say two words to once we're done working, right? I want somebody who's going to make the team better. I don't need this to be my club. See, this is the problem. And I'm not really trying to choose my words carefully because I don't care anymore. Not that they ever cared all that much. Aaron Rodgers just wants his football team to be his club, his surrogate family. 
family. I mean, we could do a deep psychological dive here on this. He wants to have a bunch of buddies around. He's not comfortable unless his buddies are around. Dude, that's not what it's about. It's about winning football games. You need the best possible players you can get, regardless of whether or not you're going to want to go have a beer or a cup of ayahuasca with them after, the, after practice. That's not what it's about. It's not, about. it's not about guys who are there to please you, guys there to amuse you. This is about guys there to help you play better, even if you personally don't like what they believe in, whether or not they are are awed by your intellect or whatever the case may be. This isn't about you and your ego. This is about the best possible football team. It's not about whether or not you know this guy, whether or not you've hung out with this guy, whether or not you trust this guy, whether or not this guy believes what you believe. No. It's about finding the best possible football players. And, this, and he's never going to admit it. See, it's never his fault. We're going to find that out today when he addresses the Kimmel stuff from last week. And Kimmel eviscerated him last night. It's never his fault. He's never in the wrong. It's never about him improving. Because he's great throwing a football, he's a finished product. There's nothing more he needs to do. Everyone else around me needs to get better, not me. Well, and I think that's why he's enjoyed his experience with the Jets so much, Mike, because he is the face of the organization. Now, he was the face of the organization in Green Bay, but they didn't give him the, the whatever it is to, to have this sort of power within the organization. And he does have a wide power within the Jets organization. We saw that with all the players he brought in and with the comments he made. He's almost like the GM, the coach, and the quarterback combined on this team. He wasn't that in Green Bay. He was the quarterback of that football team. And they didn't let him have all that power that he wanted to have. And he has that now. And I think that's why he's enjoyed this experience so much because he's like the CEO of this organization. So he's got to fit to me. He's got to flush the BS more than anybody else on that team. If they're going to have a chance to win next season, it's not just going to be him coming back and stepping in and playing quarterback and boom, the jets are going to win right away. He's got to flush some of that BS that became distractions for this team, even when he wasn't on the field, because it will continue to be a distraction next year when he is on the field. And the problem is the Jets enabled it. They did the deal. They signed the paperwork. They knew yeah. what they were getting. They made no attempt to put any guardrails on Aaron Rodgers when he came through the door. They gave him everything he always wanted in Green Bay. And now he's got it. And he'll never admit, and there's no one to tell him. There's no one to tell the emperor he's riding butt naked on a horse down the middle of the street. So he's going to keep doing what he's doing. He'll ignore the haters. It's just the woke mob. It's just the people trying to bring me down. He'll never take any criticism to heart, and he'll just listen to those who, bravo, Aaron Rodgers. Um, anyway, I will be watching today, though, to see what he has to say about Jimmy Kimmel, because what Jimmy Kimmel said last night was entertaining and, in most respects, if not every respect, yeah. accurate. All right. And We funny. await smoke. I don't know what color the smoke is when you're waiting for a coach to be fired. I think it's white smoke when you're waiting for a pope to be elected. Regardless, no news yet out of New England on Bill Belichick. And and signs that something is amiss in Nashville. Is there a connection between the two? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I'm going to contract and do what I always do, which is every day I come in, work as hard as I can to help the team in whatever way I can. Uh, And so that's what I'm going to continue to do. Talking to reporters yesterday, and when I saw the full transcript of his comments, look, I'm feeling even more strongly a trade isn't going to happen. He's got no reason to go along with it. His attitude is very simple. Keep me or fire me. And it's funny, when I tweeted that yesterday after posting the story, a lot of the, you know, experts out there said, well, of course, what are the other options? Well, there are other options. It can be a mutual parting. It can be arm in arm. After 24 years together, we are going to bid farewell. We're going to hug each other and everyone's happy and everything's positive. We're just going in our separate. No, it's going to be I'm here at my desk. You've got to send security in. I don't mean it that literally. You've got to eject me from my office or you keep me. Those are your choices. It's not up to me. It's up to you. I got a contract. I got a job. I'm not leaving until you tell me to. And when you do, I got a buyout of about whatever, you know, 25 million, 30 million, whatever it is he owes him for this year. He's got that buyout. He's not going to make it easy for Robert Kraft. That, that to me is the big takeaway. Whatever happens next, Bill Belichick has not and will not do anything to make it any easier for Robert Kraft. If you're going to fire me, you better fire me. I'm not going to agree to anything else. Otherwise, you know where to find me. I'll be getting ready for next season. Yeah, I had two takeaways from that press conference, Mike. The first was I'm under contract. So he made that clear. Pay me and move on from me or I'm here next year and you're paying me my 25 or 30 million or whatever it is next season. The other thing I had a takeaway on that, Mike, was he talked about he'd be willing to let someone else handle personnel decisions. That to me, he wasn't talking to Robert Kraft. I think he was talking to other teams saying, hey, I'm willing. If you already have a GM in place, I'm willing to come in and work with that GM, more than willing to do it. I think that was a message to other teams. I don't think that was a message to Robert Kraft because I don't think he's back with the Patriots. But I too do think that was a clear message to other teams that he'd be willing to work with a, a GM and not have personnel control if that's what it takes to win somewhere else. That's a great point. And I have thought of it that way. I've been so focused on the end game in New England. I hadn't thought about how he lays the foundation for the next step. But we've talked about what guardrails do you have to put on Bill Belichick. That's a great point. He's letting everyone else know, you know what? 
I will work with somebody else if that's what it takes to go to where he wants to go, especially if if the people he's working with have the last name of Jones, willing to work with them in order to get <laughs> what it is that they've been trying to get since 1995. Um, I also think at some level this kind of raises the stakes for Robert Kraft, too. Don't just assume I won't cooperate. Don't assume I won't give. Yeah. Don't assume I'm not flexible. Don't assume I can't change. I believe that, you know, based on 24 years of working with Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft's attitude would be along the lines of it's too late to try to get him to change. It's too late to try to get him to accept the GM. It's too late to try to get him to do all the things we've been subtly and quietly trying to get him to do all these years that he doesn't do. I mean, you know, the reality is he's a hell of a coach. He's a great coach. He's one of the great coaches of all time. It's the other aspects of the job that – I don't want to say they've passed him by because that sounds ageist, but the game has evolved. The game has changed. The game has modernized, modernized. Has he changed with it as it relates to everything but game planning, X's and O's? What do we do with the players we have? Has he done enough to get the best possible players? Makes it a lot easier to game plan and draw up X's and O's when you don't have one arm tied behind your back because you have modernized your effort to acquire talent and you have enough of a staff, you, 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 know, you trust enough people, you, you're taking full advantage of the money ownership's willing to spend. I just think that it's too late for him to make that pivot. And if he's going to make that pivot, he might as well just make that pivot with a new team. Yeah, and Mike, I want to give Robert Kraft really uh, a, a lot of credit here because earlier we talked about Jim Harbaugh, and I mentioned he, he wears out his welcome wherever he goes, and you talked about the 49ers not making it work after really three years. He stayed there an, another year, additional year after that when they went 8-8. Eight and eight. But the 49ers didn't make that work, and they didn't win a championship or championships that they could have won uh, if they had kept Jim Harbaugh. Robert Kraft... I know had many run-ins with Bill Belichick. I know that he found Bill Belichick very difficult to work with. And he was, and he is, and he's going to be that for the next team. But Robert Kraft and the Patriots organization made that work. Why? Because they knew they were going to win championships with Bill Belichick. He was the best possible coach they could have. And they made that work and they made it work for a really long time. And now, after a few years of losing without Tom Brady and 4-13, and the worst record of, of Bill Belichick's career, that's when you wear out your welcome. That's how it's done, though. You win all those championships, you get what you can out of the relationship, and then you decide, okay, I've had enough, we've won our championships, let me move on and try to find a different head coach. And I think that's where they are in their relationship, Mike. But kudos to Robert Kraft and that organization. I got an email from someone I've known for years connected to the NFL on the 4th of July throwing out the idea of Mike Vrabel being the next coach of the New England Patriots. And I've tucked that away. I've mentioned it before. I've written yeah. it at PFT. It would have to be a trade unless the Titans just fire him. And at this point, why would you? Let it play out, yeah. see what happens. Now, it slows down your own search for a coach. That's the problem. But if you have a guy you want to keep and you know he wants to go somewhere else and somewhere else wants him, why wouldn't you try to play it out and get something, especially when you consider that once upon a time the Buccaneers gave up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and $8 million in cash to get John Gruden. 
from the Raiders when he was entering the final year of his contract. But there is a weird vibe here. Vrabel has said he wants to stay. What else is he going to say? Behind the scenes, that's what matters. He's been upset from time to time. Now he seemed to win the power struggle with John Robinson, but then they hired Rand Carthon to be the GM. And was that a guy that Mike Vrabel handpicked? No, they didn't particularly know each other. So it's there was a vibe that they were sellers at the trade deadline. I had heard he was not happy about that at all. And it may just be a tractor beam pulling him to New England. They put him in the Hall of Fame this year. The team Hall of Fame. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. And we've heard all along Gerard Mayo is going to be the next coach of the Patriots after Bill Belichick. Well, I think that presumes a graceful retirement, not a firing. When there's a firing and you're close to the guy who got fired, I don't know that you're the right guy to be sold to the fan base as the next head coach. It's much different if Bill Belichick does indeed coach until he decides he's done, walks off into the sunset, here's Gerard Mayo. Much different vibe if he's fired. And I just think it's, even though Vrabel has never coached with the Patriots, I think that that is one to keep an eye on. There's enough smoke there for us to be watching it now. Unless and until Vrabel has his end-of-season press conference and says, I'm coming back. Until Amy Adams Strunk sits there and says he's coming back. And even then, who knows? Maybe it's just part of the dance they're going to play to try to get the most they can out of the Patriots. But I think there is reason. And it goes back to the idea that was planted into my brain July 4, first thing in the morning. There's the email. And I, I won't forget that. It makes sense. And we continue to watch it. And I think it's smart to keep an eye on the possibility of Mike Vrabel going to the Patriots. And I think if Mike Vrabel was coming back to the Titans, he would have had his press conference yesterday. He would have talked to the players in a team meeting, which they didn't have. Will Levis told the media that he went and asked Vrabel himself, I've heard the rumblings, are you coming back? And Mike Vrabel says, I'll let you know when I know. So he obviously doesn't know whether he's going to be back with the team. So it makes perfect sense for him to end up in New England when you – Fire a coach, trade a coach, move on from a coach, Mike. You better make sure the next coach is better. I'm not sure the Titans can find a better coach than Mike Vrabel. I just think he, despite what's happened the last two years, when they haven't really had a quarterback, I think he's one of the best head coaches in the NFL. He gets the most out of his talent, and those players play hard for him. Even when they were out of it this year, you look what they did at the end of the season – beating the Dolphins, Week 18, beating the Jaguars. They played a big, big part in how the playoffs played out. They played a big part in Houston winning the division. They played a big part in Miami not winning the division. Teams that don't like their head coaches would not have been playing that hard late in the season, Mike. Big mistake. I'll say it right now. Huge mistake by the Titans if they move on from Mike Vrabel. Vrabel and Jim Harbaugh have some similarities. Great coaches, and they're not going to – like, Harbaugh conducts himself differently. Vrabel will be much more cutting. I mean, he'll tell you, man, that is just stupid. Why did you say that? That is just stupid. That's stupid. Why would you say that? I could see it. I could hear it. It possibly has been said to me by him once or twice. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. So uh, he would have good, good cause to do it. But the point is he could rub some people the wrong way. Well, you'll find a way to make it work. If, and, and here's the thing. If yeah. in his heart he wants to go to New England, it's hard to deny him that. 
if if this is like, how do you truly get the absolute best out of Mike Vrabel if you know he wants to go somewhere else and you kept him from doing it? Money. It's going to be a tough call for the Titans if they do want to keep him. If they do want to keep him, it's going to be tough. And if they're trying to set it up so they get something in return, we'll see if it works out. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Dennis Allen safe as the head coach of the Saints, but they could be adding a pretty big name that will ruffle some pretty big feathers at 345 Park Avenue if they do. That's next here on PFT Live. I apologize to D.A. because the play was was victory. Uh, But I also explained to D.A. that it was a team decision. And uh, and I think when you have the uh, team morale, and I asked the guys, I said, guys, what do you you want to do? We know how much Jamal means to this team. And and I understood from D.A.'s perspective. So I I, I give him that. But D.A. didn't condone that at all. Jameis Winston talking about the decision to go rogue along with his teammates to get a touchdown for Jamal Williams, who had 17 last year with the Lions, had zero until garbage time of the Week 18 win over the Falcons. Jimmy Graham, in response to the criticism of Jameis Winston for going rogue as he did, get off his back. This man is the best teammate I've ever had, loves this city, this game, and embodies everything you can ask for in a leader. It was a rare situation. We all take responsibility. Nobody thought we would get blown out of proportion. Also, F-CK, the Falcons. All right, Jimmy. Um, hey, uh, I think Chris and I were talking about this yesterday. Could you imagine that happening if Sean Payton was still the head coach there? Could you imagine oh a Bill gosh. Belichick coach team doing that? And I-, I had heard that Dennis Allen is staying no matter what happened on Sunday. But... They have issues with roster and culture that need to be addressed. And this seems to be an example of the cultural issues that need to be addressed. And that's going to be for the organization, led by Dennis Allen as the coach, Mickey Loomis as the GM, to try to iron out for 2024, Shereen. Yeah, and and Mike, I... I actually, this is a great rivalry. I want both of these teams to be good because it is a great rivalry. And and when they were both good, when Matt Ryan was playing for the Falcons and Drew Brees was playing for the Saints, it was fantastic. And I want to see that again. I would love to see that again. So this is just another uh, thing in the rivalry, I think, that going forward we'll, we'll be talking about for a long time, despite the fact that it ended up being a meaningless game for both teams after the Buccaneers uh, one and then the Bucks obviously did. I mean the uh, the Saints didn't get in the playoffs. So they had another opportunity to get in the playoffs, but things didn't work out for them. But yeah, Mike, this is something that they're going to have to address going forward uh, within the organization. Did Dennis Allen really know about this beforehand and and play coy? I don't think he did. I, I think he truly didn't know. And this is something that the players decided on when they went out there. But I would be curious to find out if if Dennis Allen knew this was the case and that gave him an out uh, when he went up to Arthur Smith and gave him an out in the media and and all all that. But it it does make Dennis Allen not look very good at this point that the players would do something that he told them not to do. And the last we'll see until he's coaching again from Arthur Smith coming out onto the field and giving us one of those moments where you see it happening. You're like, oh, what's this? What's this? It wasn't quite Jim Harbaugh, Jim Schwartz, but it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. And Arthur Smith had a point. Now, some would say, hey, at the NFL level, you just stop them. You can't complain about that and don't do it publicly like that. Yeah. 
pro football is pro football, and people, if they want to score touchdowns, let them score, and your only recourse is to try to keep it from happening. Allen said he doesn't think that that move is a sign of a fracture between players and coaches. I don't know what else he would say publicly. Privately is what really matters. And privately, the Saints reportedly are considering adding John Gruden to the offensive coaching staff, not as the coordinator, as a senior assistant, but number one, you're bringing a big personality into the building, and that's going to take a lot for Dennis Allen to manage. And number two, it is a gigantic middle finger. I try not to actually give the middle finger, as I say, gigantic middle finger, to the league office, which hates John Gruden. John Gruden is suing them. John Gruden has a lawsuit that is due to go to the Nevada Supreme Court, I think, this week on the question of whether or not the NFL can force it into arbitration where it will be guaranteed a much better result than if it plays out in court over the leak of the Gruden emails from more than two years ago. The emails he sent while working for ESPN to Bruce Allen, who was then a high-level executive with the Washington franchise. Who ordered the code red? Roger Goodell's a defendant, named defendant, sued by John Gruden. And I guess from the Saints' perspective, they can say they already hate us. Like, the Saints believe the league office is anti-Saints, and they've believed yeah. it ever since Bountygate. So, why, why? let's give them a reason. They're going to hate us? Let's give them a reason. Let's hire the guy they hate. Well, let me start, Mike, by saying that I love DA. Uh, I go way back with, with Dennis Allen. He obviously went to Texas A&M. He's from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I got to spend a day with him when he was the head coach of the Raiders. I love DA, but... He is on the hot seat going into next year. He knows that. Everybody knows that. 16 and 18 in his career with the Saints. If he hadn't won four of the final five games, Mike, given them a chance to get into the postseason, he wouldn't be there today, I don't think. But let's go back to, to when he came to the Saints in 2015. He came in as what they called a senior defensive assistant. Rob Ryan retained the defensive coordinator title. That lasted 10 months. They fired Rob Ryan, and guess who got the defensive coordinator job? Dennis Allen. So if I'm Dennis Allen, I know I'm under pressure going into next year. John Gruden might help me win next year. If I think he can help me win next year, then it's probably a good move. But you can see where this is going. If it doesn't work out, Mike, John Gruden's going to be the next head coach of the Saints. I don't have any doubt about that. If they bring him in in this role, he's going to be the next head coach of the Saints, and he's going to be the next head coach of the Saints in 2025 if they can't get into the postseason next year. And regardless of how that plays out, this is their way to get the absolute most out of Derek Carr, who spent three and a half years with John Gruden in Las Vegas and Oakland before that. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But you're right. Look, You've only got so many years to prove you can do it at the NFL level. And Dennis Allen's had two next year's a year to make it happen. And, and we'll see how it goes. And if they turn it around and if they're great, maybe that sanitizes John Gruden's record and gets him an opportunity somewhere else. He's desperately wanted back in. He just wants to coach football. There are going to be some people who may not be happy about it. I have mixed feelings about it. Look, on one hand, you're entitled to redemption and you pay your penance. And, like, are you done forever? Are you forever disqualified? I don't know. I don't know. It's not for me to decide because I'm not an owner deciding on whether or not to hire teams. But separate and apart from the emails that he sent is the fact that he's got an open legal war 
with the NFL, and the NFL doesn't like it. No company likes it when you sue them. So that makes it even harder. Let's take a break. When we return, oh, we got a draft. Who's under the most pressure this weekend as 12 teams enter and six teams leave the wild card round, the super wild card round? More PFT Live right after this. Last year, I thought it was important for me to, to talk about, um, you know, uh, Green Bay in the beginning of the week. I did with the team. Uh, I regretted it. Uh, I don't think that's that, that doesn't even need to come into into our energy base. So um, you live and learn. You know, this game's about our commitment. It doesn't matter who we're playing. It really doesn't. I, mean, I, I had no stake. I didn't watch one game prior to the you know yesterday's contest in preparation. Uh, so. To start the last line on the plane, and, and that's that, that's where I am, and I think that's clearly where our team is. Our team, you know, this this is it's just no time for that. Boy, there's nothing they won't put a Cowboys logo on. I've never seen in my life a logo like or that. any decal on a styrofoam cup. A styrofoam cup. I didn't know anything stuck to styrofoam. I don't even know what styrofoam is. All right, uh, so there's Mike McCarthy a name that we might be hearing over the next few minutes as we draft the players or coaches under the most pressure as the super wild card round approaches with six games, 12 teams, three of which, by the way, televised by NBC, two on NBC, one streaming only on Peacock. Go ahead and complain about having to get another streaming service. If you haven't gotten it already, that's on you. Get it now. It's not that bad. It's not that expensive. And just get rid of one of the other ones. You're not, it's not like luggage. You don't have it your whole life. Just get rid of it and get Peacock and give it a try. You might like it. All right, Shereen, who do you like as the player or coach under the most pressure this weekend? Well, I think we have to start right there. And, and it's not, he shouldn't be, but Mike McCarthy is under pressure. And Jerry Jones created that. I think hearing about... Less than an hour, 45 minutes, I think we're going to hear Jerry Jones clarify what he said about Mike McCarthy on Sunday when he didn't guarantee that Mike McCarthy would be the head coach of the Cowboys. We're going to take it game by game in the postseason. So this is a coach who has won 12 games each of the past season. That hadn't been done in Dallas since 1993 to 95, long time ago. 95, of course, is our last Super Bowl. So Jerry Jones has created this drama. We know Mike McCarthy has a year left in his contract. Most owners, after whatever the Cowboys do this year, would extend that contract. He didn't do that with Jason Garrett. Interesting in the offseason to see if Jerry Jones extends Mike McCarthy's contract or not. But he does deserve credit, Mike, for firing Kellen Moore, which he was criticized for at the time, taking over play calling, and then what they've done offensively this year and where he has them right now as NFC East champions. Yes, it took the Eagles losing some games that they shouldn't have lost for the Cowboys to get there, but the fact is they got there. They're number two seed. They have two home games that they win the first one, but a big game for him, Mike, against his former team. And a big game for you because you are firmly against the notion, not that you're against Bill Belichick being a coach of the Cowboys. You just don't see it happening. I see it as a very real right. possibility, as do some folks elsewhere who see that if the Cowboys lose because of McCarthy and Belichick's available, Belichick to Dallas, wouldn't that be something if it happens? All right, first one for me is Jared Goff. 
we're going to get so caught up in the Matthew Stafford return to Detroit. Jared Goff is a guy that got thrown overboard by the Rams. And he's at the point where he's got to prove he can take a team beyond the wild card round. Let's go. I know he took the Rams to a Super Bowl one year, but to really be the long-term answer in Detroit, it's not enough to just get to the playoffs. He's got to advance, and he's facing a team that knows him. Defensive players like Aaron Donald, who can't wait for the chance to chase him around. Sean McVay knows everything he does well, everything he doesn't do well. It's on Jared Goff to punch through that ceiling and deliver the playoff victory, which would be the first one for the Lions since 1991. I'm going to stick with coaches, Mike. Nick Sirianni, to me, is under a ton of pressure. Started 10-1, and one, finished 1-5. One and five. His job could be on the line. We're talking about an owner that fired Andy Reid, that fired Doug Peterson after a Super Bowl. Nick Sirianni needs to win in the first round against the Buccaneers to keep that job. Uh, next one for me, I suppose, is Mason Rudolph, although you could argue he's under no pressure at all because no one expected him to be here. But it's more of the pressure that comes from opportunity. This is a guy who was thinking about packing it in. After last season, you win a playoff game, you put that on your resume, you're in position to either return as a Steelers starter or go someone else to be the starter next year. So great opportunity for Mason Rudolph, tall order to go to Buffalo and win. But you know what, Shereen, since they have expanded the playoff field to 14 teams, the Bills have twice barely won as the two seed. They beat the Colts by three points three years ago. They beat the Dolphins by three points last year. Who knows what the Steelers will do, but a great opportunity, but also pressure for Mason Rudolph. All right, let's take a break. One more round next here on PFT Live. All right, there are our picks so far through two rounds. Player or coach under the most pressure in the super wild card round. Shireen, who do you have for round three? go Josh Allen Mike he needs to take that next step four and four in the postseason in his career has not done something that Joe Burrow has done in getting his team uh, to a Super Bowl 17 touchdowns and four interceptions in eight playoff games but as you mentioned they only beat Miami by three points last year as a uh, at home then they lost to Cincinnati in a game that wasn't competitive to Joe Burrow 27 10 they lost that game he had three interceptions and three touchdowns in those two postseason games last season, he needs to be play better this postseason if the Bills were going to have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. You know, I was thinking about this Dolphins-Chiefs game, which will stream exclusively on Peacock on Saturday night, and it's easy to say Tua or Mike McDaniel or Tyree Kill. He's going back to Kansas City. But the weather is going to be so bad. The temperature is going to be so low. Yeah. And there's just this expectation that the Chiefs have figured out. There's no reason to believe the Chiefs have magically figured out what's wrong with them. There's pressure on Patrick Mahomes. This is where he's got to channel all of that playoff experience and flip the switch. We saw them try to do it on Christmas Day, and it didn't work. They've had one game since then against the Bengals that they managed to win. Last week didn't matter. Can they do it? Everyone's going to expect them to beat the Dolphins, especially in the weather, Shireen. A lot of pressure on a Chiefs team that many expect they're going to slip right back into postseason mode and off they go. Maybe the Dolphins will have something to say about it. We'll have plenty more to say tomorrow and all day long at ProFootballTalk.com. Thanks for some of your time. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 